Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together to worship.
thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning that no matter what we've done we can walk in purpose to the throne of God and lay everything at his feet amen can we give him a hand again this morning thank you Jesus thank you Father
Father, that you have told us that it was important that you went away. God, Jesus, when you went away, you and the Father sent to us the Holy Spirit. Father, I know there's times in our lives that we try to handle everything on our own. God, we think that we can take care of the situation. God, in those moments, remind us that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's only by your Spirit. God, a Spirit that can move mountains. God, I pray that every day of our lives that we will desire to have the Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, empower us to be witnesses for you. Father, in those moments when we see like everything is crumbling around us, may we know that your spirit that is in us is greater than anything that we can face. Father, I thank you for every person that's gathered here today. And I thank you for faithfulness. God, their faithfulness in serving you, in giving to you. God, when we worship you with our tithes and our offerings, it's not out of obligation. God, it's out of love. God, as we continue to reach out to this community, God, help us to know that they're watching. God, what we want them to know is that you love them. Father, that we care. Father, I ask all of these things. In the precious name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Look at the person on your right and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. Now look at now look at the other person on your other side and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. If you're wondering what the mass exodus is, if you're new, if you're a middle school or a high school student, feel free uh, to go uh, some place that's probably more interesting than me, uh, at least at your age. And uh, so if... Uh, what we do is every other week, we have a uh, middle school and high school class, and they stay with us for worship, and uh, then we allow them to go uh, maybe...
have a little bit more fun and learn about Jesus maybe in a way that they can do it better than what I can do. We're so thankful that you're here, and we are so glad uh, that you have chosen to be with us. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. I say that with everything that's in me. We love seeing uh, new people uh, join and, and come into uh, the community and, and, and join us here. A couple things I want to make you aware of. Uh, tonight, 5 o'clock, uh, we do what we call a growth track. And what that is is that is just a time uh, that we're going to feed you. And uh, because everybody knows that when you get food, you're more happy, right? We don't want nobody hangry. Uh, so we, we're going to feed you this evening. And if you're, if you, if, even if this is your first time here, we would love for you to join us. Uh, and all it is is just a couple of hours that we'll go through the, the vision and, and mission of the church and tell you how we got here and, and what we believe ministry looks like. And uh, we'll just have a good time together. And a lot of times it's really hard, uh, especially in, in a setting like this and having two services. Uh, you may show up, if you're in the second service, you may show up. Uh, and see somebody that you haven't seen before uh, because they come to first service. And uh, it's just becoming increasingly difficult, and we just want an opportunity for you to meet the staff. And uh, no pressure. Uh, you don't even have to say anything. You can just sit there with your mouth full of food, and, and uh, we'll give you a napkin to wipe the stuff off. Uh, but we are so thankful for that. Also, the second thing that we want you to know is that coming up September the 12th, uh, it's the opening uh, Sunday of NFL football. And uh, we have what we call game day, and we've done this as long as I can remember, except, you know, there's always an asterisk by 2020, right? Uh, we didn't get to do that in two, you know, last year. Uh, but with that, we are, uh, uh, after second service, after this service, we'll go out back here and uh, we'll have uh, some, uh, a lot of food and, and some football games on, and we'll also have some uh, games for the kids, and we'll have some games for people who think they're still kids. Uh, and uh, it's just a good time, and, and once again, it's a chance uh, for you to, to maybe get to know people in a different setting. Um, we always talk about how when you come in on a Sunday morning, uh, you're basically doing church in rows because you're in a row and you're looking up here. Uh, but when we start doing life together, uh, then you start doing life in circles. And we believe that life truly happens in circles. And uh, so we are so excited about that. So put that on your calendar. So... Um, how many people have ever, you ever done any renovation projects around your house? Uh, we started a renovation project. Now, mind you, and here's how it usually goes. We started out thinking, okay, we just, we're going to paint, you know, the bathroom. And it ended up with a 10-yard dumpster sitting in my driveway. Uh, and uh, before it was all said and done, uh, we've ripped out carpet, we've ripped out showers and toilets, and uh, we've redone, and, and it's, and the person that was doing this said, oh, we can do it in three days. Yeah. Uh, we are now on day, what seems like, 46. And um, last night, I just, uh, I, we had to get the house. I can handle it for so long. And uh, so we just started putting stuff back, whether it was time for it to go back or not. Just get it out of the living room. And uh, so you've been there. But, but what I want to talk about is I had to go pick a toilet. Okay. So I go to Lowe's, first trip I make, I couldn't make up my mind. So I go home, I said, I'll, I'll just go do it tomorrow. I get to the aisle in Lowe's and I'm standing there and you know how many different kinds of toilets there are? It is ridiculous. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking and, I, and I'm, I'm Googling and I'm reading reviews on toilets because I, there's literally 
25 different kinds of toilets sitting in front of me. And I'm reading reviews, and I'm asking workers, and, and, and even the guy who was with me, I knew he didn't know anything, but I wanted his opinion. And as I was standing there, I felt a little bit better because there was another guy, and he had that same look on his face. And he was looking at all the different ones. And finally, if you know me, um, I'll talk to people I don't even know. Uh, my wife loves that about me. And I just look at him and I say, it's just too many choices. And he said, I was thinking the same thing. But then he made his choice faster than I did. And so I was really feeling pressure. Now, there are times in our life that, that we're faced with choices that honestly do not matter. I mean, did it really matter what toilet that I bought? I mean, let's be honest. They all say, say, uh, serve the same purpose, right? They all do the same thing. In the scheme of life, which toilet I picked made no difference. The choice that I made really made no difference. But then there are times in life that we have choices that they do make a big difference. There are choices in our life that, that will affect your life tremendously. In the book of Philippians, Paul talks about some of those choices. Paul makes some very good choices. And a lot of times we preach on topics, but today I want to start a series on the book of Philippians. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look at the four chapters in Philippians. And we're calling this sermon series, By Choice, Not By Chance. And as we go through this book, we're going to look at how Paul made choices not based or determined on his circumstances. No matter what he was facing, he made the right choices. No matter what he was facing, he chose the right attitude. We'll read how that, that he chose joy over discouragement. Humility over being prideful. Contentment over even though he was lacking. How he chose to, to put his past behind him and press on. He was always rising above his circumstances. He was always making the right choices. You see, he made a choice to follow Christ. And Christianity is a choice. Making the decision to follow Christ is a choice. And when we do that, and when we did that, it was despite all of our sin, despite all of our past, we made a decision, we made a choice that said, I'm going to follow Christ. And when we do that, we can do it in confidence. And today I want to talk about choosing confidence. Choosing confidence. Confidence simply means to be certain, not unsure. To have trust and be secure in your choice. To be certain in an uncertain world. How many people know that we're living in an uncertain world? Every day we're reminded more and more of how uncertain this world is. But you can have confidence. In the book of Philippians, Paul was confident. And he was sure in whom he believed. And as we look at our lives today, God wants us to be confident. God wants us to live our life without a doubt, but with an assurance. He wants us to live our life not with a I hope so, 
but with a I know so. And so today we're going to, to look at the first chapter of Philippians. And we're going to look at some things that we can have confidence in, that we can choose to be confident in. The first thing that we can be confident in is that we can be confident in my Savior. Confident in my Savior. When you made the decision to follow Christ, can I tell you that it all started because He saved us by grace. In verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1, it says, Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I am confident, I am so confident in what God started in my life that he's going to finish it. He's saying, listen, it all started with grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us that. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Paul's saying, listen, that good work, it started with grace. It wasn't through anything that we can do. It wasn't through anything through ourselves. And when we talk about having confidence, it's not having confidence in our flesh. It's not having confidence in our abilities, but it's having confidence in God. You see, we weren't good enough to save ourselves. There's no works that we could do to save ourselves. It started by His grace, through faith, not good works. You remember, if you're a follower of Christ, that day that, that you stepped over and, and you asked Christ to be Lord of your life, and you think about that grace that you felt and that release that you felt, and you knew that you weren't good, you knew what your past said, but someone reminded you and, and you felt the grace of God, and you were walking in that, and you were confident in that. We have to be careful to not let grace fade away. Don't let grace fade away. The Bible calls the throne of God the throne of grace. It all started with grace and it will finish with grace. When you look back at your story, you're going to say that God finished the work not because of me, but in spite of me. You say, well, what's my part? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what we have here, the letters that Paul usually wrote, they were usually letters of correction. But when he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, he was saying, listen, you didn't let your faith fade away even after I left. I mean, it's easy. it was easy to have, for them to have faith when Paul was there walking with them. But Paul is saying, even after I left, it even become greater. You didn't let it fade away. How many people bought a new car within the last year? Don't, uh, you're afraid? I just want to see where the money was at. Think about when you bought a new car. Maybe if it wasn't even brand new, but it was new to you. You buy a new car, and, and what happens? 
You're like, there's going to be no food in this car. You're going to wipe off your feet before you get in. As a matter of fact, you may have to take your shoes off. I don't want no dirt in this car. It's new. You let two or three months go by, a couple of weeks. You get in the car, you've got french fries in the floorboard, you've got ketchup on the seat, you've got chicken nuggets in the glove box. You don't care. Oh, it'll clean up. Sometimes we do that with our life. We get saved and everything's so new and we're thanking God for everything that He's done for us. And then after three or four months, sometimes it can take longer, sometimes it can take less. We got saved, everything was new and it was good. When we first started coming to Gateway, I was like, this place is great. I want to get there early and leave late. Now it's I don't want to get out of bed. Everything's great except that pastor. But after a while, it starts to fade away. And I want to challenge you today. Do not let grace fade away. Be confident in the God that started it will finish it. You say, well, what's my part? What's my role? Philippians chapter 1 verse 5. It says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul is saying, listen, you entered into a partnership with God. In the beginning, you entered into a partnership. And Paul is saying, I commend you because it didn't stop. You were playing your role. What is God wanting from us? He's saying, I want you to enter into a partnership with me because there's things that you can do. And in order for me to finish what I've started, you've got to partner with me. We have to come to the realization to know that we cannot finish it on our own. So many times we go through life trying to do everything on our own. God is saying, I need you to partner with me. And Paul is saying here that you have partnered with the gospel from the first day until now. I've known people that have went in business together. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's a disaster. They could have been best friends going in and falls apart. That partnership didn't work. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But can I tell you that if you enter into a partnership with God, you will not be disappointed. If you enter into a partnership with God and you understand, I can't do it by myself. And you say, I want to, to come alongside and God to come alongside me and, and let him do what you can't do. He said, I'll finish what I started. You have to allow me. You have to partner with me. Second thing is you can be confident in your steps. Confident in my steps. If you, just a little backstory on how that, that this church at Philippi came about. 
Paul's going along in, in the 16th chapter of Acts, and, and he sees a place, and he thinks, well, that's where I need to go. He said, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't go there. And then he saw another place, and he said, but, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go there. So here Paul's going along, he's saying, man, that would be a good place to start a church. That would be a good place to go do ministry. And then finally, in verse 9, Paul had a vision. So there was a, a, a man in a dream standing, and he said, come over here to Macedonia. Come to a city called Philippi. And so Paul said, that's where we're going to go. We're going to follow the steps that have been placed before me. Sure, I think it would have been great to go here. I think that it would have been great to go there. But I'm going to follow the steps. I'm going to be confident in the steps that Christ has put before me. And so they go there, and it says they go down to the riverbank. That's where they went to worship. And when he gets there, he sees this businesswoman by the name of Lydia. He begins to talk with Lydia, and they lead her to Christ. And then her household comes to Christ. And Paul thought, you know, this would be a good place to start a church in her house, and they let it grow and let it expand. And so as they're doing ministry in Philippi, one day they're going down the street, and they run into this slave girl, who was possessed by the devil. And what she was doing was she was telling fortunes. And so the men, her owners, they were using her. They were using her to make money. And so she was, they were walking around and Paul and Silas was walking around and, and she was just talking and talking and, and, and saying, you know, these men are men of God, which were, was true. But Paul knew what was really in her. And finally, he got tired of it. Finally, he said, you know what? I'm going to set you free. He said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And instantly, the demonic spirit fled. She was delivered. Well, guess what happened? Those people that were using her to make money, they weren't too happy. So they got mad, threw Paul in jail. So here you're looking at this, and Paul says, okay, I think that I should have went here. You put yourself in Paul's shoes. Oh, if I'd have went here, I probably wouldn't end up in jail. If I'd have went there, I probably wouldn't have ended up in jail. But now here I am. And I'm in jail. That's the way I would have been. Not Paul. And can I tell you, there are times in your life that God's going to close a door and we could very easily question him. Very easy to question God. But Psalm chapter 37 verse 23 says this, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Another verse says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Paul's saying, how did I end up in Philippi? He said, I was just listening to God. And he said, I know that he's made my steps firm. I'm confident that he's ordering my steps. And you may be sitting here today and you may say, it seems like that, that your dreams have been shattered. Can I tell you, God is ordering your steps. It might seem like that that thing that you've been waiting for, it'll never happen. God is ordering your steps. 
It may seem like that, that man has put a stop to what God was trying to do. God is ordering your steps. And you can be confident that he who started a good work in you will complete it. We have to have confidence that he's ordering our steps. Listen, life may alter your story, but God will finish it. There have been times in my life that I thought that I had it all figured out. If you're being honest, you probably have been there too. God, I've got this all figured out. And then it doesn't work out the way that I wanted it or the way that I thought that it should. And doors keep closing. Man, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be confident in Christ that He is ordering our steps. And when we do that, at the end of the day, we can know that we are right where He wants us to be. We can understand that sometimes there's things in life that may seem like a setback. It may seem like that God's not on the throne, that He's not ordering your steps. I think about Joseph. Here's Joseph. He has a dream that he's going to lead his family. So he has this dream. The next thing you know, his brothers are, are selling him off into slavery, into, into Egypt. Then he gets in a situation where a high-ranking official, his, his wife makes a, a pass at Joseph. He resists her, but he gets blamed. And he ends up in prison. So here we have, he, he's had a dream, I'm going to lead my family. And then he goes to a pit, and then he ends up in a prison. Now it really seems like that things are going backward in Joseph's life, doesn't it? If you're looking at this from the outside looking in, you're thinking, God's really ordering this? I mean, he's going lower and lower. But then one day it started to turn around. He interpreted a dream. Because of that, he was made second in command. And then his brothers end up coming before him. And they're afraid, but when he looks at them, he says, Listen, you didn't send me here. God sent me here. And he sent me here for a purpose. He sent me here to finish what he started in me. He said, I have confidence in him. Can I tell you, that's the God that we serve. That's how the God that I serve works. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You think about Jesus. Promise of being a king. Seemed like that he was going backwards, didn't it? He said, but I fixed my eyes on him. Because he may have went to the cross, but now he's seated at the right hand of God. And listen, you have to be confident in knowing that God's directing your steps. There may be things that have happened in your life. Maybe someone's walked out on you. Maybe you've failed. Maybe you've made a mistake. But at the end of the day, you have to be confident in your Savior. You have to be confident in the steps. You have to be confident that he will finish the work that he started in you. The third thing, and this is difficult, is you have to be confident in your struggles. Man, how hard is that? How hard is it to be going through something and 
keep a smile on your face. I mean, how many people have ever been on the struggle bus? Anybody? Come on. How many people feel like that you are like the driver of the struggle bus? Anybody? Man, we've all been there. Uh, I've shared with you before that from June of 2020 until about the beginning of 2021, I was, uh, I was the driver, passenger, and the mechanic of the struggle bus, okay? I've been there. Paul was there. When you think about it and you start reading about Paul, you understand that, that he had struggles. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. This is what Paul said about his struggles. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. Now, I want to think that I would have liked Paul if I got to, to live at the same time he did. But then part of me thinks I wouldn't have liked him. And what makes me think that, because if, if you've ever been around somebody that, you know, they could, their engine could fall out of their car and they get out praising God. And you look at them and think, that ain't real. Ain't nobody happy over that. That's the way Paul was. Paul said, listen, what's happened to me is had a purpose. Been used to advance the gospel. Why is that? Because Paul saw the big picture. What happens to us is, is that when we get in those struggles, we become blinded by those struggles. We become blinded by our circumstances. We are so blind that, that we can't see the big picture. Paul said God's advancing his work. And can I tell you that in your struggles, God is advancing his work. Paul made a choice. Nothing in Paul's life happened by chance. He made a choice. He said, I'm going to see the bigger picture. I understand that I'm going through struggles right now, but I'm confident that those struggles serve a purpose. I'm confident that that pain that I'm experiencing has a purpose. We have to come to the realization that the things that happen to us are not all about us. Not all about us. I mean, I talked last week of how we live in a selfie generation. In first service, I asked how many people had taken a selfie that morning. And uh, nobody raised their hand. And then one person raised their hand, and I thought, man, thank you. And then they came up to me after service, first service, and said, I really hadn't taken a selfie. I just felt bad for you. <laughs> and I said, well, if nobody raises their hand in second service, will you do it again? We serve a God of grace. We'll, we'll ask for forgiveness, okay? But it's so easy in life that, that everything becomes about us. And we're going through struggles and we're having pain and we're going through difficulties. And, and, and we become so inwardly focused of what this is doing to me, how this is affecting me. But if we could ever learn, like Paul says, let me stop a minute. Let me look at the big picture. Let me stop a minute and realize that my struggle that God can use it to advance his work. Paul had some huge struggles. But in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. 
He said, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He said, it's not about me. He said, the God who works in me is doing things to fulfill his good purpose. Paul said, I have confidence in my struggles. I have confidence in my struggles. Philippians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So in other words, Paul is saying, listen, everybody knows why I'm here. Everyone knows it's become apparent why I've I'm in chains, and it's because of Christ, because of his purpose, his will. Verse 14 says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What's Paul saying? He's saying, because of where I am, because of what the, the people in the church at Philippi, because of what they see, It's through my struggle, through my pain, through my circumstances that they are stepping up and saying, listen, if Paul can do that, then I'm even more confident in my God. And they were able to share without fear. Think about that for a minute. Think about yourself. One of your good friends out preaching the gospel and they get put into jail. How many of us would go behind them and do the same thing and even at greater extent? What Paul is saying is he said, they see that I'm in chains. They see what happened for me delivering this little slave girl. And they're stepping out. And because of that, the gospel being advanced. Paul's writing this in a jail in Rome. Paul said, I'm in jail right now. But every person that comes by, I'm witnessing them about Christ. And because of that, people have become more bold to preach the gospel. And can I tell you that when you're walking through a struggle, you are a candidate to be used by him. You just have to see the big picture. You have to choose to be confident in the steps. Paul's in jail. He's in Philippi. He starts worshiping God. Once again, one of these people, you're in chains, but you're singing at midnight. Go to bed. He's celebrating. All of a sudden, a huge earthquake happens. The doors fling open. The chains fall off. There is a miracle taking place right in front of Paul, Silas, and everybody else who's watching. Right in the middle of Paul and Silas's struggle, there's a miracle about to happen. God's power is about to be seen. And we have to understand that in our struggles, that you are a candidate for a miracle to take place. For God's power to be seen in the midst of your struggle. The jailer was so upset, he was going to kill himself. Paul had to say, no, 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 don't do that, we're all here. 
You begin to share with him the gospel of Christ, this miracle that he had seen take place. And it says that he was saved. They went to his house. His whole family was led to Christ. They were all baptized. Why? Because Paul chose to be confident in his struggle. He chose to walk through his struggle and know that through that struggle, a miracle could take place. Instead of getting all down and, and poor pitiful me, Paul said, I know that in this struggle, God's going to do something. Paul chose joy. Can I tell you, you have to choose joy? You're not just going to wake up with a smile on your face. Every day, every moment of your life, you have to choose joy. Because this world will weigh you down. You have to choose joy. You have to say, God, I choose joy because I believe that something powerful is going to happen in the middle of this struggle. You know what we do? Something goes wrong and we start yelling. God, where are you? God, why are you failing me? God, why aren't you here for me? My wife is by no means technology, technically challenged. In other words, she knows her way around the computer a little bit. And there are times that she'll be working upstairs and, and she'll be trying to fix something. And she's trying to fix it and she's working on it. But then I'll hear, you're going to have to come here and fix this thing. Where are you? I'm like, I didn't even know there was anything going on. And I go upstairs and I can just... I say, honey, I'll, I'll be right there. Let's wait till the third out of this inning, okay? And if I can't fix it in two and a half minutes, because that's how long commercial breaks are, it'll have to wait till next half inning. You believe I say that? I've got some oceanfront property. I say, honey, I'll be right there. And then I, I have TiVo, so I can, it's not TiVo anymore, but I just showed my age. I can pause it. But I get up there and I can see the frustration on her face because she's just over it. She's ready to throw it out the window. She's got that look at, where were you? Sometimes we do that with God. We get in the midst of this struggle and we're trying to handle it, we're trying to fix it. And then we say, God, where are you? God, why aren't you here for me? In the midst of those struggles, we have to choose joy. In the midst of her trying to fix this computer problem, next time I come upstairs, I want her just to be smiling from ear to ear. We have to choose joy. And you know what happens when we do that? If you're celebrating in the midst of your struggle, same thing happened here. People are saying, how can they have joy? How can they continue to celebrate in the midst of their struggle? How do we do that? Because we choose it. We choose joy. We believe that God is going to open a door. We believe that God is going to do a miracle. Don't ever doubt that people are watching you in your struggle. People who aren't believers, maybe newer to the faith, they are watching you in your struggle. God wants to use you in the midst of it. God wants to use you 
in the midst of it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body by life or death. The last thing that Paul is saying is, is you need to be confident in life and death. You need to be confident in life and in death. You need to be confident that this life isn't the only life. That there is eternal life. And that when you take your last breath, you're going to step into the presence of an almighty God. And that you don't have to fear death. That's what Paul is saying here. He says in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, most people, we see death as a loss. Paul said, no, it's not a loss, it's a gain. Man, how can he say that? You've lost a loved one, someone that's close to you. How could anybody look and say that it's gain? You can only say that when you're confident in who you believe. You can only say that when you're confident in life and in death. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, if I'm alive, I'm confident that God is going to use me. Look what he says in verse 23. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul's saying, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I, I want to stay here because I want the gospel to be promoted and advanced. I want to stay here because I know that, that, that you could use me and that you need me. But on the other hand, I don't fear death. Verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy in the faith. In verse 25, Paul says, if I live, I'm confident that I'm going to bring forth fruit. And if I die, I'm confident that I'm going to see his face. This book in Philippians to the church at Philippi, it was a book of people, written to people who were confident in whom they believed. And what we can take from that is, that's the confidence that we need. You may be here this morning. You may be watching. And you're looking at your own life and you say, you know what, I don't have that confidence. I've never placed my trust in Him. I've never asked Him to come into my life. I've never taken that step. And I don't have confidence in any of the four things you talked about this morning. The most important one is to be confident in life and death. Be confident in knowing that His grace is sufficient.
and that his blood covers all of your transgressions. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I have taken that step to follow Christ. But if I'm being honest with myself and with God and with you, I'm, um, I'm having a hard time believing that he's ordering my steps. I'm having a hard time finding joy in the midst of my struggles. I'm having a hard time believing that, that his grace is sufficient things that the enemy's continually throwing up in my face and I'm either questioning the good work that he started that he's going to finish it I'm questioning the fact that I'm struggling I'm questioning the direction that my life is going I want you to know that you can be confident in your Savior you can be confident in your struggles you can be confident in steps, and you can be confident in life and in death. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. Let's take just a moment just to, sometimes we get in such a hurry, let's just, Maybe just to reflect on where you are right now in your journey. You see, we're all in different places. We're all in different places. We're all on a journey. We're at different places. So just for the next couple of moments, just where are you? Where do you fall? You not placed your trust in Him? Are you struggling? can't find joy? Are you questioning where you are and his steps? Are you fearful of death? All of those things he says you can have confidence in. You can have confidence in. He that started a good work will complete it through grace. Here this morning, you say, Pastor, I fall in one of those four categories. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor, that's where I'm at. I'm in one of those. Listen, when you lose confidence in anything, it makes life difficult. This morning, God is saying, you can be confident in me. Place your confidence, your hope, your trust in me. We're going to pray. If you raised your hand, if even if you didn't, 
sitting here thinking, believing that God needs to do a work in your life. As I pray and then as Pastor Nick begins to sing a simple chorus, I'm going to ask you if you would be bold enough maybe to walk down to this altar and just kneel and pray. Why is that important? When you take that step, that's you saying, God, I'm confident in what you're going to do. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to step out in confidence. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to believe with you. And we're going to walk with you. Church is about community. When I'm struggling with something somebody walking with me to hold me up to say keep going put your trust in him so as I pray if you feel led step out let's pray let's leave here confident father I come before you today God Father, right now I know that there are those who, God, the enemy is trying to put doubt in their mind even as, even as I'm praying to you right now. God, I'm so thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for the confidence that we can have in you. God, so many times we try to put our confidence in so many other things. God, things that will disappoint us, things that will let us down. But God, not you. God, you will never, ever, ever let us down. God, this morning I place my confidence in you. The author and the finisher of my faith. God, we place our confidence in you to finish the work that you started. God, I know there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that we can do. God, it's only through you, through your grace. Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts today. God, allow us to become confident, not in our own abilities, but in you. God, remind us that it's in you that we live and we move and that we have our being. Confidence in you as our Savior, as our Deliverer, as our Healer. Confidence in the steps that you're ordering. Confidence in our struggles and confidence in life and in death in every situation. Father, do a work right now that only you can do. In Jesus' name. Sing this course with us. Christ alone, the cornerstone. Weak and made strong in the Savior's love.
staff to get to know you and, and uh, for us not to have a bunch of food left over um, but we would love to have you uh, five o'clock even if you haven't signed up you can come tell me uh, if you're laying sitting on the couch at 445 and the Holy Spirit moves on you and you says I'm, I'm gonna go just show up okay 
Uh, if we have to, we'll go get something from McDonald's. Uh, we always say, church, right? We always have plenty of food. Don't worry about that. We would love to have you. And um, have a great Sunday. We love you. See you soon.